y'all, and welcome to Level Up. I'm with Jonathan. Jonathan, how you doing today? Good, good. How you doing? Doing all right. We today we're talking about Assassin's Creed Origin, which you you took the time to play through all the way, and I couldn't finish it. But not from <laughs> a lack of wanting to, just a lack of time. We have like two more set, uh, level ups coming up, and I'm also playing those games and whatnot. So, um, but this is a very important game in the Assassin's Creed franchise. It's the reboot to the franchise where they changed how the game is played. Um, came out in 2017. It's of course from Activision uh, as as the uh, publishers. Was this your first Assassin's Creed game? It was. Um, actually, there was a good deal. I think it was on Steam. While I was in like the middle of this game, uh, some of the other Assassin's Creed games went on sale. So I went ahead and picked up, I think, four of the other games uh, because I was enjoying this one so much. But I do think I'm going to take some time before I dig into those because this was a, a long and meaty game. There's a lot to, to take in, a lot to play. What do you know of the other games? Is there any particular one that's standing out to you that you want to try it after this one? Um, I know there are, you know, different time periods and different settings, different, you know, uh, cities and stuff like that. Um, was it the, I think Black Flag was the one that had all the pirate ships and stuff that, you know, which, which Origins actually had a little bit of ship play on it too. Um, and what was it? Number two, I think was kind of like the, the, the best one or the first real good one, I guess. So yeah. I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably try to play them in order as best I can. I think I don't have number one. I started with number two, but. Uh, yeah, I'll probably try to play them in order, though. Yeah, uh, one is 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 kind of rough in comparison. It's still a good game, but rough in comparison, especially to the one you just played. Mm-hmm. Um, two is by far like the best story, and it's the one when they try to make the 2016 movie. It's based off of number two. Um, it was so good they didn't make Assassin's Creed right away. They went to Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which was a sequel to number two, and then a tr- the the next one, Revelations, is also in the. So you played as the same assassin for three games in a row. And you played him in the first game. He's like a teenager that becomes an assassin for the first time. Then by the end, you're an old man that's like finishing out your career. And so you actually play his entire life really good. Uh, three is the uh, Revolutionary War, which is unique. And is the first game to bring in the ships. Four is the ship one. And is the reason that the ship's in every game since is <laughs> because of number four. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so this is a really this is a really good one because it's, it's after Syndicate when they decided, you know what, we can't keep doing the same formula. And they changed things up. They went to a more open world game instead of a linear story. So uh, it's very unique in that sense. Um, let's go ahead and go over the tutorial. So you have one minute, Jonathan. I want you to break down. It's up to you what really you break down, but kind of break down the story, but also the gameplay. And because it's a Ubisoft game, so a lot of people will be familiar with it. So if there's anything particular that's unique to this compared to, say, a Far Cry, let us know. Okay. So I'm going to start you off and go. All right, so you are Bayek of Siwa, who is a magi, uh, which is like a a lawkeeper or or you know supposed to protect the people kind of thing um, in Egypt in Siwa, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, he he and his wife, I guess, fight to you know help protect the people. There's Rome is taking over Egypt, and uh, he is uh, captured, and it, his son ends up getting murdered. Uh, so he's pretty much trying to seek revenge on his son, but also free Egypt from this secret order that's trying to, uh, like, control everybody, I guess, take over. Um, 20 more seconds. Oh. <laughs> um, he, ends up recruiting, he ends up recruiting other people to create an order called the Hidden Ones, uh, which eventually becomes the like uh, Assassin's Order or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the Brotherhood. Uh, and they they make their two different orders within Egypt and Rome. 
by the end of the game. That's it right there. You got your one minute. So you went full uh, into the story and you did a good job kind of breaking down uh, the the broad strokes of things and, and really starting off this character because the character was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. How do you say his name again? How would you say it? Bayek. Bayek? I'm going to go with Bayek yeah. as well. You like by a yek, by a yek would be, but uh, yeah. I like that. Like his father was was one of these um, protectors as well before him and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It was cool, like this lineage thing that they had going on. Um, yeah, and oh man, just the visuals of this game are really good too. But we're gonna first go over our level one. All right, we're going into level one, guys. You know, things a little bit easier. It's a little soft in level one. We're okay. Uh, we're gonna yeah. go break down the story, but all the major plot points. When you start the game off, is it, if I remember correctly, doesn't your son die in the beginning of the game? Yeah, pretty early in the game. So you kind of go through like a, if I remember right, like a tutorial period mm -hmm. where you learn the mechanics and how to use your controls and stuff like that. Uh, but then, yeah, your son, you're like helping him with something or whatever. Uh, you get captured, you and your son, and these guys with masks, this order, um, they have a name, I can't remember, but this order, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are uh trying to use you and some like you, for you to use some orb or whatever to open a gate and you don't understand any of it in the story at the time yeah uh but they're trying to get you to do some certain thing and they have your son and and uh, you try to break free and they like you're, you know you're holding the you still want the one of their swords and they pretty much push you into your son and make you stab your own son so uh oh. after that yeah you're you're um i, th I can't remember Exactly, I think they leave you leave you for dead after that. Mm -hmm. But then your like life mission is to find, you know, who is this this order of, of masked men, and your goal is to kill them all and exterminate them pretty much uh, to get revenge for your son's death. The masked men is it revealed at all towards the end of the game that they're the Templars? Like it's, while you're playing, it doesn't reveal that they're the Templars by chance. I don't think so because the orb um, thing sounds like that's what they become. Because there's there's orbs later on in the game too in the in the franchise like timeline, timeline. Oh, uh, maybe. So they end up using that orb. I guess they didn't know at the time order they needed a scepter too, and the orb and the scepter together open up, uh, this gate to whatever like uh, another dimension. Or something. I don't remember how that went, but yeah, opens up this gate, and um, and what else? But you yeah you have to go through and you're trying to kill all those guys. You find that or. Uh, I made notes that kind of go semi chronologically, so <laughs> let me try to stick to that <laughs> before I jump around too much. Yeah, uh, let's see. So, so first, yeah, you get to know Bayek and his family, and get to see Siwa and stuff. Uh, but then, yeah, he's captured. His son is killed uh, by those masked men, so he's trying to find him. Uh, Flavius, you find out, is the the leader of the masked men. He's the one that caused your death. So, as you're going through killing these people off this list from this mm -hmm. this order, um, you find out, you know, each time you're like, "Oh crap, it wasn't the guy. Oh crap, this wasn't the guy." Though they're still part of the order. Yeah. Uh, finally, you find out Flavius is the one you need. Um, oh, and they called it the Order of the Ancients. That's what it is. Um, so you're searching. Oh, you're going sense. city. Okay, yeah. Cool. Uh, you're going uh, city by city. And, you know, so clues lead you on to the next city. And you're working with other people and stuff like that. Um, and then you, you're you working with your wife, too, who is also like a badass assassin. And, you know, she's yeah. all about, you know, fighting for the people. She... I don't think she was Egyptian, though. I think she was, you know, Greek or something like that, because she was from Rome or from uh, Alexandria, I think, something like that. Okay. Um, which, people listening probably know more than me. They're going to be so mad. 
giving fake Well, news. the thing to remember is this game is like super long. So when you yeah. played this oh. part of the game was a long time ago. I forgot. Yeah. I was like, I know we have flashbacks of his son during the game. I don't remember why his son's not there. Oh, that's right. As soon as you said like he stabbed his son, his son himself, I was like, oh, that's right. You know, so it's been so long. <laughs> it's a long game. Yeah. So um, like midway through or whatever, you find uh, Cleo or you meet with Cleopatra she her phone her throne was taken from her by her brother, and so you help her uh, regain her throne. Uh, her brother was working with uh, Julius Caesar, the you know emperor of Rome, and so uh, in in regaining her throne, her brother gets executed, and she like partners with Caesar. You know they're gonna be right. you know married and join their their kingdoms or whatever. Uh, but in the process, she was supposed to be backing you up and supporting, finding out who these people were and, and ridding the world of this scourge, you know, whatever. And instead, they secretly, you know, she just kind of turns her back on you and they um, are working with the order, you know, allowing them to keep yeah. doing what they're doing to, to oppress the, the poor and the Egyptian and, you know, pursue their their uh, studies in the dark magic and stuff like that. Um. So one, that was one big theme of, of Assassin's Creed in general is the assassins are all about like freedom and the will mm -hmm. of just the people while the Templars or the, you know, basically yeah, the Templars it would be the masked men in this one are all about order. Is that what's yeah. coming across? Is that something that Cleopatra keeps mentioning is that she wants like order? Yeah, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of how it how it shakes. I don't remember her saying that specifically. Okay. But I'm just it's... wondering. I'm because I'm a guy who played the Assassin's Creed up to this point. So I'm kind of like trying to because again you played the you played the last half that, that i didn't play and so i'm trying to put together the idea that like this is being foretold by the games that came before that's why i'm like oh, okay is she always about order then yeah that's the templar thing she helps set up the templars in that way you know yeah and i guess that is is more or less what she's doing because she's though it's not going to make egypt you know happy and healthy and wealthy and stuff like that. she's like if we come together we'll make peace between our people right that she knows they're still going to be in bondage and they're still going to be treated like second class citizens but it's going to yeah create order create some kind of structure even though it's not a great structure, structure. yeah yeah um but so so in that betrayal um aya and bayek gather their their allies their friends that are also skilled and create what at the time they call just the order uh or sorry no they call it the uh once. Yeah, yeah, the hidden ones. And um, so they're just a, a group to go after the order to try to take them all out. Um, mm -hmm. And so they eventually, after a while, kill uh, Julius Caesar. And uh, Aya threatens uh, Cleopatra and tells her she, she was about to execute her too, which would have been would have been cool. But her son or daughter walked up, looked just like like Aya and Bayek's son, you know, same age. Uh, yeah. She walked up right when Aya was like totally ready to assassinate Cleopatra. And so she told Cleopatra, you know what? You need to like do pretty much do right by Egypt and take care of our people. If you don't, if you're not a good, you know, empress or whatever, Pharaoh, um, then I'll be back to see you again. Pretty nice. much. So straight, straighten out your business. <laughs> but then, so after that, it's kind of sad, but sad, but good. Bayek and Aya split. They separate to go build brotherhoods in, in their different territories. So she goes to uh, Rome and builds, you know, gathers more to build a brotherhood um, of the, you know, the hidden ones uh, in Rome. And he does the same thing in Egypt. So it kind of leaves you off as, you know, they're going to start the brotherhood. But 
uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the story. That's how it goes. Okay, and then after that, you're basically you're clearing off your list and knocking people off the list. I assume, right? No, no, that was yeah. You clear off the list in the middle. Once you get the Julius oh. Caesar, that was the end of the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they leave you off. Oh, that's cool. So there could actually be another origins even where he's actually building this. Or I mean, of course, we can have the Roman. We have the next one after this is Odyssey, which I'm sure probably ventures into the Rome stuff as well. Um, yeah, from Greece. I mean, in in the middle, you gather a group of a small group of your friends, or, you know, allies. But then, yeah, by the end, you're going through killing off. Eventually, you get to Flavius, and you know, you're killing off all these. You know, there's like eight or ten or whatever uh, high-ranking people that were members of that order. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you those are those are kind of the the bosses throughout the game. That makes sense because you wouldn't threaten Cleopatra mid-game. That's how yeah, I know. You don't walk away from that very comfortably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, so. Let's talk about character development then, because um, the main one we have is Bayak that, that we really need to focus on. And I remember very well, you know, in the beginning, he's. I like that part where like people would approach him, like just like rando people in a small town would approach him, asking him for help and stuff like that, because it kind of make you feel like you're that that one guy in town that's just kind of like the go to sheriff or the or the hero of the town. Um, mm-hmm. But he was still very broken. As you played the game, do you think that Bayak found peace with his son son's death at all? Yeah, I think so. I don't think so. Compared to, I uh, compared to like a TV show or a movie, at least, I don't think there was the same kind of character development in him or in them. Uh, I think you mm-hmm. kind of see a lot in like his relationship with his wife. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do. I do think you see him making peace with his son's loss because every time, every time you assassinate or finally, you know, not necessarily assassinate but kill uh, in battle, one of the uh, bosses. He there's like a cinematic scene that it cuts to where they're like both in the spirit world or something like that. Right. Uh, they don't really explain how all that is, but you know they're they're both in this world where he's able to confront them one last time, and then he you know uses the the feather to I don't know like either release their spirit to move on to the afterlife or or something like that. Um, but in the not the last well. Depends on the order. Yeah, not the last boss. But when you kill Flavius, the one who actually killed the son, uh, he's like so uh enraged and you know, he finally finally killed this guy, but he's like, That's not enough. This isn't fair, you know, it's still like this can't be the end of my mission. Like that my son's right. not back. This doesn't make it even. So, you know, how can this be it? Kind of thing. He's ranting. And his son walks in, you know, they're in this dark oh yeah, dark space with you know, you're walking in a pool of water kind of thing. And his son walks up and I don't remember what his son says, but it was like a, a moving moment. And the son's the one that takes the feather and releases the guy. And it's like, oh, dang, that's like <laughs> in the story. <laughs> in the story, Chills. I was like, dang, that's, yeah. I was like, man, that's, that was pretty, uh, pretty epic. So I think that was kind of like his son releasing his dad from the, the debt, I guess, that he felt to his son, that he felt like he owed him for letting him die. Yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of awesome. That um, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. What and with about, him and his wife? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. Is uh, how is him and his wife? They they feel like they're yeah. going to continue the relationship like long term. So, I don't I I don't the way it was written, it was like she she wrote him a letter saying like, "Hey, I'm going to continue to build over here. You keep doing your thing over there." And they were very distant already. Very mm-hmm. uh, when they'd come together, super passionate and real hot and heavy and stuff like that, but they would be okay working, you know, for a week or a month in different territories. And that makes sense the kind of work they do. Uh, but I think, at least for me, the way they were early on was, you know, 
like high school, you know, lovey-dovey kind of people. And then as they worked together and fought so much together for such an important goal and they went through the suffering, the loss of their child and stuff like that, I think he started to respect her more as just a, a amazing warrior and leader more so than just his wife. So I think that's kind of why, like at first I was like, man, that kind of sucks that they're going to not, you know, be together in the same city anymore. They're not going to like settle down. Uh, but they have a lot of, lot more work to do. So I think he sees that as well. You know, they both see that. Um, but I think he sees that as like, um, more important because she's so such a good, you know, leader and fighter that it's more important that she continues on to, to move forward their cause yeah. rather than the two of them just retire and sit in a shack somewhere kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their shared goal is more important than their than their relationship. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and then the villains of the story, did you feel like they were a big enough threat, or did they just kind of feel like something you had to, like, get out of the way? No, they were they were pretty good. So, in a, a lot of different ways. So, the bosses were hard to fight, and mm-hmm. one of the things I liked is each boss, or at least most of the bosses, had a different way you had to fight them. Yeah, they each had like a different uh, skill or a different, you know, totally different setting that made it harder in a different different ways and stuff. So that was really cool. Um, the regular guards, when you get in a certain situation, especially especially when you're out of your level, if you are level thirty five yeah. and you're up a guards that are thirty seven because you're trying to jump ahead and stuff, y- you get in sticky sticky spots pretty fast if you aren't sneaky enough. And you, if you can sneak around and assassinate, you'll be okay. But if you catch you know, two or three or four's attention at once, then it's like, oh crap, these guys can outgun me. So being aware of your situation with, with that was kind of important. And then they had these guys called uh Phylakes, I think. I might be saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're like these uh roaming um like hitmen pretty much that are looking for you. There's a bounty on your head and they're just OP. So yeah. there was a couple times where I came in and encountered with them and I would just pretty much die right away. There was one time, I don't know if it was me getting lucky or if they actually have a level because they wouldn't show a level on the character. So wherever you're at, I think they're, you know, preset to be 20% stronger than you or something like that. But I went to one of the earlier levels, the lower levels, and uh, ran into one of them unexpectedly. And I stayed on my horse, though. I stayed on my horse and I kept riding by and just swinging at him, you know, avoiding his attacks and stuff like that. And I was able to kill him. But that was the only time I was successful. So I don't know if he was a lower level or you know if, if i just got lucky by dodging him and staying on my horse but yeah those guys they would have a horn sound uh when they're nearby that you you hear like a, a siren like someone's alerting you kind of like lord of the rings kind of thing and that would make me nervous right away like yeah. oh crap i didn't realize i wasn't looking at my map you could see them on the it's, map so. it's the big daddy's moan in, in uh, <laughs> yeah in Bioshock. yeah exactly so i hurry up and kind of like scurry i'm looking at the map like okay let me just kind of stay on the other side of the village until he kind of passes through because, you know, I don't want to die and have to find my way back over here kind of thing. So that they did a good job at making those guys kind of intimidating and you're always trying to stay aware of where they're at. I don't at. think I experienced those guys. I got lucky. I ended up not getting running into those guys. So that's good. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of them, but that kind of put helps you put your guard down too. You don't see them very often. Yeah. When you do, they kill you pretty fast. Yeah, I... um. Okay, so some games lean to it a lot. So like Sea of Thieves, uh, Shadow of War, stuff like that. They they're all about you making your own story. And these games are so guided that that doesn't happen very often. But you just shared a couple. Is there any other stories 
So my my one like thing I could always remember from Assassin's Creed is there's a you know when you like assassinate the one guy you're supposed to assassinate and like sometimes it'll do like a cutscene right afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so I remember having to to I think this was in one of the sequels in number two. I had like the entire palace after me, and it was just like I'm gonna die. But then I saw my target, and I just ran for him, hidden blade, stabbed him. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, whew, cutscene for a split second while I talk shit. That's great. So I could breathe for a second because I knew that as soon as I'm out of this cutscene, 50 guards are on me. I'm probably going to die, but <laughs> I got the kill, so I'm fine. They didn't have me like escape the area or anything like that. I just had to kill that guy. Um, any of those kind of things happen to you where you have like additional like stories that generated from gameplay? Um, kind of. Well, not, not in such good detail as you. I do like um, one of the funnest parts was trying to clear a palace like that, some mm-hmm. fortress or whatever. But I would rarely try to do like you did and just jump to the boss because I liked sneaking around and assassinating people. Yeah, through the so you know you that's can always Plan take... A, but there's a few other plans <laughs> behind that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and uh, what kills me is half of them have a secret underground tunnel that leads out for their waste or whatever. Oh. I'm like if I knew about that, man, I could have just come right in and killed the guy. You know, five minutes or less. Um, but one thing I did like that kind of would create side stories. This game took me a long time because it's a long game. Also, because I would let myself get lost playing other stuff oh, in the game yeah. that I didn't need to do. Uh, but I liked the the there's the, you know the ship battle side of it um, when you start to play as Aya a little bit, uh, where you're launching arrows and stuff. That was cool. It wasn't like my favorite part of the game by no means. But I like the regular in-game sailing you can do, where you would jump on a boat and you ride it like a mount. You just mm-hmm. sail whatever direction. You could hop off really easy. It was really smooth, really yeah. Easy. Yeah. And I liked hunting uh, crocodiles from the back of a boat, too, like uh, while you're on a boat and coming down. That was pretty fun. Yeah. So one of my favorite things was you get on a boat and you go out and you find the, the Roman uh, ships that are going by, and they have different materials on them, and you know, some have slaves or, or animals that need to be released or whatever. And so uh, you can get up, you know, pretty close and just start picking the guys off. You could shoot a flaming arrow at their uh, canisters of oil. Um, but that was like one of my kind of go-to things if I'm getting bored following the mission is doing that or or uh, hunting. But that was one of the more fun little sidetrack things I would do all the time. Yeah, they do make hunting more required than normal um, mm-hmm. because of the armor upgrades. You needed exotic skins and stuff like that for that, you know. Yeah, I got to a point where I I decided, you know, I just want to get all my armor upgraded. So I took the time and hunted for everything. But there's like those blue gems. I don't remember what they're called. Some kind of shard or something. Yeah. You still have to have, which you still have to get by unlocking them at certain levels. Uh, yeah. So that that uh, didn't work as well as it did. But I, I jumped up on all the stuff that I was ready to level. well stocked up, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so story-wise, what would you give this as a, out of 30? Um, for story, I would go 28 out of 30. 20, wow, that's that's quite good. Yeah, I thought, it was, go. I thought it was pretty good. It was yeah. a lot of... I'm excited for you to play the other Assassin's Creed's too. Now that you got... Well, Origin, that's why, that's why like, you're like, well, which Assassin's Creed should I play? I like Origin because it's the reboot of the series and it's the first Assassin's Creed... Assassin, basically, of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So now I'm excited now that you know this part of the story to experience the other stories because there's... Assassin's Creed is one of those things where if you were to explain it to somebody, it sounds amazing. But then when playing through it, it's maybe not as great. Um, <laughs> so like through Ezio, you learn that uh, the Templars are basically trying to hide the fact that on Earth there was another another entire civilization, like entire being that mm-hmm. we now perceive as like the Roman gods kind of thing or like, you know, these 
these old gods, but they were actually their own beings and humans were slaves. Um, and yeah. And then like they foretell an Armageddon coming, which I believe the end game, we just like go right past, like ends up happening. And so, but anyways, and so you had to like open these temples to make sure an Armageddon didn't happen. So there's that story, like multiple different things are going on. Then there's a storyline and even like in the future, cause you keep jumping to the future to see yourself playing the game. You're, you're, and, and in those, like even the future, you guys are trying to fight off the Templars and stuff. Um, and then there's this thing where like the Templars invented organized religion to keep people calm and peaceful. Well, like the assassins are all about freedom and spirituality. And so there's this whole like dueling sides of what is right for humanity. And it's like the idea almost comes up often, actually, that like, yeah, if the assassins win, we'll be all free, but it'll also be very chaotic. And sometimes it's like it, we might be better living off under the under the Templars. It's a really good wide story. So I definitely hope that you, you take up more of the games. Yeah. And I think this game, I mean, th- there was a lot of depth to the story that I didn't really try to lean into so much. Yeah. Um, But there was, you know, like that that chamber you open and there's. The ma- not even magic, it's like, you know, tech or whatever. It's the alien technology and stuff like that. So yeah. There I think it does try to tie all that together. It was just I hadn't heard of any of it because I didn't play those old games. So I was like, right. okay, this is a little uh crazy well, to jump to. But. Yeah, and they're very hidden. In in the Assassin's Creed two, they lean on it heavily. But yeah. I mean in Assassin's Creed three, all you know that you have to is that you have to like open up these temples. Maybe that's in four. Like it's very barely like in this one, very barely talked about. But you know that yeah, yeah there's this like free race that used to enslave humanity that was aliens that were all future tech. So it's like this thing that's in the background that's really weird that nobody talks about. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. But it's cool but weird. Um nice. yeah. All right. Next on we're moving <laughs> on to level two. We've upgraded, we've got our power up. So we're moving into gameplay. Jalen <laughs> control, movement, combat, and camera. Anything in particular that stood out to you is like a lot of fun. By the way, you play this on keyboard and mouse, correct? Yes, yes. I played it on on controller just so that we had different opinions on this. So, what are your thoughts on like controller and movement? Did, did anything stand out to you? Um, so it to me it was smooth and easy and really like not hard to get used to. I like when controls just kind of conform to what is normal, what's standard. Um, so it wasn't hard to get used to except for using the shield. And I think that's just me and oh, my yeah. gameplay style. Me I was too. I actually did not like the shields at all. I'd rather yeah. pick them off with an arrow before I, they got anywhere near me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there, there was sometimes where the moving movement was a little bit clanky. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have just been my computer. You know, sometimes I was lagging too, cause I know a carriage would go by with somebody on it. And then all of a sudden they would be stuck in air and the carriage would keep going or something like yeah. that. Um, but that's, you know, again, probably just me lagging. There's a few times where things didn't line up visually. Um, but for the most part, it was really smooth. I like when you, you know, hop on your mount and stuff like that, your horse or your camel or a boat. It was real easy. It didn't make it like a complicated transition. There was no loading in between stuff like that. Um, while riding yeah, around on your mount, did you find that enjoyable? Was that like a peaceful moment for you? Oh yeah. I liked, I, I, Whenever I was in an open area, not in a city, I would try to stay on the mount because it was easier to attack with. You can move, obviously, a little little bit faster. Um, and it was just, it was the smooth mechanic. It was just yeah. kind of fun to do. So, because you have the option to fast travel. So, would you find yourself fast traveling a lot or were you like, it's not too far, I'll just ride it out? Oh, yeah, I'd always ride it. I would I'd only fast travel if I was like a few cities away. 
because to me, like in between there, here and there, I can kill a few things. I can find, you know, one of little side missions or somebody who needs help with the alligators or something like that. And so I could help bring my level up someone because I'm always trying to bring up my level in between my missions so I could stay on the main uh, missions and not have to deviate too much. Um, so yeah, that would just be an opportunity to yeah. gather materials and stuff. I can't suggest Red Dead Redemption enough then. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so much that. Yeah. Um, right. combat wise, because this was a different definitely this was a change in combat from earlier Assassin's Creed. Uh how did you feel about combat? Um, I liked it. There was one one thing I did like about the combat um was the guards you would fight and all you know, the people you'd fight. There was a variety of of uh, fighting styles from them, which was right. kind of cool. Like there was the guys that would throw like smoke grenades that would kind of make you dizzy. And there was some that would, uh, some that were like brutes that had a big shield and they would knock you down. And it was cool because they each fought in a way that you could fight. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, uh, whatever, build your, your guy to have, you know, two swords and be fast and agile, but you don't have a shield. So you got to juke and dance around a little bit or have a shield and a short sword so you can swing it and then kind of dance around a little bit and protect yourself. Kinda. So I did like that because, um, you know, I I was bad with the shield. I always kept one, and I tried to do the short sword thing. Yeah. Um, but it was cool that it just kind of shows you different ways you could fight. And when you play as Aya, she is already geared to be, you know, two uh, dueling, what do you call it? Uh, two swords, dual swords. Mm-hmm. And so she fights a little bit different naturally. Um, so you could probably change her gear and stuff. I never did. But I thought that was just kind of cool. It gives you more perspective. The one thing I didn't like was, like I said earlier, just using a shield. Uh, it was kind of hard to know when to use it. I know there's things where you could like push off with it and stuff. Right. Um, that was the only thing that didn't seem very smooth to me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or natural. Um, but I'm sure that's probably just me specifically. I don't, I don't think it was a gameplay well, Everybody issue. has their favorite, right? So, like, of course, the first, first thing I would do is, like, I would try to go much bow and arrow as possible because I really like yeah. You could really, like, level up some cool stuff with the bow and arrow. Um, my next thing was like the pole arm, like the, the, like the long weapons, because then you can sweep, you're able to, it, it did really well against the guys with the shields. Cause I can't stand those guys. Mm-hmm. They would rock your world. So they got a PC. So I just, yeah, they were so yeah. hard to counter. Um, I would just keep walking back and shooting them with arrows until I picked them off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. To, that That's a good move. Um, I would, that, and if you had like a group walk walking by and you had to kill them all. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to attack. Which one am I going to hit first? Those guys always. always, I would try to take them out, or like try to do like the quick assassination on just those guys real quick. Um, Whatever I can do, but yeah. Yeah. So everybody has their favorite. What was your like favorite kind of combat? Um, Oh, it was always definitely stealth, sneaking up on somebody. Like I was saying earlier, I like to clear the whole tower if I can. It takes yeah five times as long, I'm sure. But if I could just sneak up and assassinate everybody in the tower, that's awesome. Or at least if I get the perimeter cleared. And a few buildings, then I can confront the guys and I'll only have, you know, eight or something like that that'll all kind of converge. That's not so bad. Um, I preferred using bow and arrow, definitely, too. Uh, headshots would be, you know, just saves you a ton of time and it's it's fun yeah. and efficient. Um, but yeah, definitely the assassination part of it, which I, I'm sure you could tell me. I heard that the other games are more geared towards that and less the hand-to-hand combat. Very much so, yeah. You would, I mean, and they, even within the old ones, they changed things up here and there, you know, but mm-hmm. the most efficient thing was assassinate. Like it was, it's funny that Assassin's Creed left this cause it's so iconic to the series, but they, they were one of the first games that had a walking mechanic where when you walk to somebody, your guy would naturally like dip a shoulder to like kind of blend mm-hmm. in. And so 
you'd walk in a crowd and you would just see your guy like dipping shoulders and like it looks so fucking buttery smooth. And then you'd walk mm -hmm. up to the guy you need to kill. You'd see, do just do a slight motion. Your guy would have like a slight animation. He would just like stab real quick with his wrist because he had the hidden blade. Stab and then just keep walking with that dip shoulder. And you'd see him fall and like a couple of guards would be like, oh no, you know, like they'd freak out. Mm -hmm. And you're just like walking to the crowd and it was just like, that was awesome. And they left that behind. It's so iconic to the series, which is odd that they left it behind. Um, yeah. I know that there are definitely still assassinations, but not like that kind of thing. I wonder if there was something big they changed in the mechanics that made that too hard to to meld with it or something. I don't know. That seems like something they wouldn't leave behind. That sounds cool. Yeah, I can see them bringing it back once they kind of get back into the bigger cities. Because another thing, too, is like living on the rooftops was such a big deal in the early games. Um, mm. But... It was they made a lot of those games and I could see that they just needed to kind of like refresh things and they they went with more of the four honor kind of combat. Um I think that oh, was probably that, a smooth move to freshen things up. And those old games were a lot more densely populated, right? Because you're yeah, all in the you city were in the middle of the whole like time. Paris and so like, oh, okay. you were you were back cities, which was important because yeah. you had to be on the rooftops and the idea was like you'd sit on a bench and like just be like melt like you would like have a white overlay that would show like you're blending in right now. And that was mm -hmm. what it was all about. It wasn't necessarily about like, if you were in combat, like you're thinking of, it's because you fucked up. Yeah. You, you almost should never be in combat, you know? Mm, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good. I, and again, I can't wait for you to check them out. Uh, user interface, the menu and stuff like that. How did you, how did you think they did in this one? Because I think they actually did better in this one than they did in previous ones. Yeah, I think the menu was just fine. I didn't have any problems with it. I didn't, yeah. like, have to go through it very much. You know, you just get in and, and start playing, but... Yeah, anytime I needed to look through it, and it was very simple, doesn't leave you confused or having a hard time getting into it or nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, and then our last thing here for, for gameplay is innovations. And this game doesn't necessarily have any industry-wide innovations. It just has some major ones for the uh, franchise itself. It was a huge change in how the franchise works. Uh, big thing with the open world. Do you prefer games that are on a linear storyline or have this open world concept where you're able to go at your own pace and go where you want? Which way do you like better? Definitely open world. I like open world with a overarching story like this was. So you do have missions. And if you want to just stay on the single track, you can. Uh, but while you're going along, there's plenty of other missions you can pick up. There's side stuff you can do just like, you know, gathering uh, materials to increase your armor and things like that. Uh, or you could just go mess around and start killing guards just, you know, for the fun of it. So I definitely prefer yeah. having that flexibility. I think it makes it more fun when you get bored of your missions or your story or something like that. You can just go do other things until you kind of get bored with that and you want to go back. So that's my favorite. There are some great games like the Arkham games and stuff like that or, or Bioshock. We talked about Bioshock before that are mm -hmm. linear stories that are fantastic. And the stories are something you'll always remember. But there's something about the immersion, I feel like, in open world games that you feel like you're really part of the world that mm -hmm. makes the memorability not necessarily in the story, but me being there. Like, I still remember both games fondly, but I remember mm -hmm. being like in San Andreas or, you know, in those worlds existing and trying to like drive with the regular cars or in Red Dead Redemption, stuff like that. That it's it's funny that it's just like I remember the game differently. Far Cry games. I don't necessarily care about the story. The villains are always memorable, but it was being in that world that is what I remember, I remember the most. Do you think you remember the story of this game more or the environment that you were playing in? No, yeah, definitely the environment. I mean, yeah. I think like just hunting and sailing and just yeah, being a part of that world. I think's the most memorable part. 
One one thing I did like too that I don't know if it would be an innovation or not. I just don't remember seeing this in other games. Uh, is when you there wasn't a lot of cinematics, which I appreciated. I don't like being stopped in my game to watch a cinematic because they have to force some story down your throat and then you go on with playing. Yeah. Um, but I did like that they had like a semi cinematic where you would approach somebody or or engage with somebody, but you don't cut scene into a cinematic. Mm-hmm. You're just in lock with talking to them, but you're not fully locked because you can move your camera around. And I think that makes it like you're in the area watching the conversation that these two guys are yeah. having, but you're not necessarily in a cinematic. You're not one of them. You have the control to kind of see it from different angles and see who else is around and get a good look at the person you're talking to. It's a simple little thing, just a, a loose camera being able to move. But I think that added a lot more flexibility to to the the scene and not feeling like you're locked into cinematics. And is how conversations usually work. It's not like you always are like eye to eye. You're just kind of checking things out while you're in the room with them. And yeah, that yeah. is, which in comparison to like a Skyrim, whatever, where it's like, okay, you have no control. You're locked in with the, <laughs> with the guy yeah. telling you about how he got shot in the knee or whatever. Um, and they would, yeah. they would also do that every once in a while because they don't want you to get bored. I think they yeah. did a good job trying to mix things up was they would have you like, oh, you got to get, you know, to this other tavern or whatever. And so you and that person would walk together and they would be talking to you, telling you a little bit more depth about the yeah. story while you're walking. And it's like, that doesn't have to happen. They could just snap and you're in that other town or whatever. But it's just another way to kind of keep you engaged and hearing some more about the story and being a part of it without actually having to do anything critical. You're just walking and keeping up with the guy. I thought so that was kind of cool. That's definitely Red Dead Redemption 2. That part right there. <laughs> okay. But And then it remind, reminds me of Black Flag, uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Where you mm-hmm. would collect, like, there's a lot of collectibles in these worlds, right? As you experienced, um, you would collect pirate shanties and mm-hmm. sea shanties or whatever. And it was a delight to be like, oh, I have to go travel over here. I got a new sea shanty, though. So I'm going to hear my <laughs> sea shanty while I'm sailing. And it was yeah. a lot of fun to, to have to collect all these notes for the music and stuff and play new songs. Nice. All right, let's go ahead and move on to level three. Things are getting difficult now. We're heading into design. Uh, visually, first. Jonathan, what do you think about the level design? I'm gonna I'm gonna step in first and just say that when I approached this game, I thought, well, it's gonna be in the desert. That'll be boring. But I was quite mm-hmm. wrong because the sand actually made everything else pop out. And it was really cool. Real quick, we didn't give a score for gameplay. We did not. What was your score for gameplay? You're right. I went 28 out of 30. 28 as well. Okay. Well, you're gonna give this thing a high score. I'm oh, not yeah. giving anything a score just because I didn't finish the game, so I don't think it's fair. But you finished it, so that's yeah. why we're going with your score. Um nice. Man, nice job on. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, I kind of thought the sand would be boring, but it actually made mm-hmm. everything else pop out so much that was really cool. And especially like when you'd see like a group of people that are like camping. And so I would mm-hmm. be on a dune like watching them. And, and you would see a lot of times they would have like lookouts on the dunes edges. So you'd like take those guys out real quick. And then you're mm-hmm. watching them like, how am I going to do this? And it just, I, it was just such a cool world, a lot cooler than I expected, actually. Yeah, I like the overall design. And one thing that it um, it it makes a big impact in the immersion. If there's things that don't fit in that world or it's just not smooth enough and not, you know, as clean and pristine as this game was, then you know, it just kind of breaks that that uh, world you're in. It breaks the, the illusion mm-hmm. of reality. So I think they did a good job making it meld enough to feel like you're in that world when you're playing. That's a really good point. And it actually reminds me of the character design, which is next. Um, 
I, you know, I'm sure you probably had access to some of them. I had access to like all the past. They always do this in Assassin's Creed. You have access to all the past versions of the assassins as well. So you mm-hmm. can like play with Ezio's armor. You can play with um, Edward's armor, whoever's you, whoever's you want. And I always do it for a bit. But this game, when I put it on, I was like, man, I stand out so much right now looking like Ezio from, you know, Renaissance times that I just don't like this. I don't I don't I stand up too much for this to be cool. So I went back mm-hmm. to my normal skin in the game. Um, what did you think about character design? Did you try out any additional skins? Well, I I just changed my my skin from one to the other from uh, you know one of bikes that are available. Yeah, but I don't think I had the option to change it to any of the other guys. But okay. maybe it's because I didn't have them on that account or something. I don't, it might I don't be know. that. Yeah, it might be because you have to play them to unlock them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I like how Bayek looked. I like you know, uh, kind of like how you talked about in the old games when you would walk through the, through the town and you'd move real smooth and, and stuff like that. Though it didn't have that same mechanic, uh, the way his clothes would move and you'd hear like the armor clanking and yeah. you know his sword and everything, it was all very well mechanically designed. I think uh, one thing was like the loading screen when which I sat on for a minute, <laughs> but you uh, unlike a regular boring loading screen where you just see a picture or whatever you see your character in his current gear and armor and, and weapons and everything that you have him set for and you can move. So you can swing your sword or you can, you know, run and do your little juke and change directions and stuff. So I thought that was super cool. Cause it's just a way for them. I mean, I don't think it would take a lot of processing power to have your character there, uh, but it's a way for them to just kind of show off, show off what they made, but show off what you made. Cause you picked what he's wearing and what he's yeah. holding and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, a way for you to take pride in your character and, and, and be able to appreciate how smooth everything looks and moves and things like that. So I thought that was a pretty cool little feature. Yeah, they do that in all of them too. And it's, it is a cool time to like, okay, yeah, normally I'm trying to meld in or usually I'm trying to like be hidden or whatever. And it is my time to like, look how flashy I look. <laughs> I look so right. good right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then our, our next thing here is cutscenes. You had mentioned before the, the idea of like not locking the camera and stuff like that. Was there any particular cutscene that really hit you like oh man that was so cool or like like maybe it's a story moment or something like that yeah like i was saying the one with with his son uh yeah. when he kills um shoot i forgot the guy's name randy um but yeah w- when he kills that that second to last boss mm-hmm. uh but but really most of the cutscenes were done really well and i think I, i'd i'd like to attribute that at least to like the fact that they had to do less because they they did a good job not stopping your gameplay for small, insignificant cutscenes. Yeah. You know, hardly ever. Uh, just doing that little, you know, you're stuck in dialogue, but you can still look around, and it's it's a regular gameplay graphics. Um, but they the cutscenes they did were just so beautifully done. I could easily see this making a movie or a TV show or something like that with that quality. I think that would be so cool. If, I mean, it, it's inevitable. Someday we'll be at that. Um, but yeah, I think it was was really well done. I loved pretty much all the cutscenes. Yeah. I liked the ones where he would something would happen and it would remind him of his son. And so then he would look back to a time where him and his son were hunting or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was just like these bonding moments to a child that's not there anymore. And it got you in the mindset like, oh that's right. He's dead. Um which I thought was really cool. I thought that was really neat. Uh audio wise, soundtrack and, and sound design and stuff like that. Uh let's first go over the voices. I really like Biox's voice. What did you think of his? Yeah, it seemed fitting, very natural. He did a good, you know, voice acting, uh, a wide range of emotion and stuff like that in his voice. He doesn't talk just like I do on the podcast, very monotone. Um, <laughs> so I thought it, I thought it was really good. I was wrong. 
I am responsible. When my boy died, I fought back with rage and anger. But this only made them stronger. We are all different. But we fought together to put Cleopatra on the throne. Now this was a mistake, my friends. But at least it brought us together. All the, all the voice acting, honestly, I couldn't find anybody that didn't seem to fit in this world and in, in the character skins that they were in. So I, I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, shout out to, um, his name is Ababakar Salim, played by act, and then uh, Alex Wilton Reagan, uh, Regan, yeah, Reagan, I think, played um, Aya, uh, both of them, and then we had uh, Zora Bishop play uh, Cleopatra, which I know Zora's played a few things. Um, really great job. This is actually when we save like, the trivia stuff at the end, but since we're mentioning it right here, um, Salim, who played who played Bayak, actually for the entire entirety of the project, thought he was recording lines for an animated movie. They didn't want to like because re- they tried to keep everything under wraps. So he thought mm-hmm. that he was recording lines for an animated movie, and at the very end, found out that oh, this is for an Assassin's Creed. So <laughs> yeah, because they don't want them to like spoil anything like that. So that's one of the early trivia's right there. Is uh, so yeah, can you imagine this whole time he's thinking like, oh, I'm making a new Pixar, <laughs> yeah. or, like this, or whatever, an Assassin, and then you come to find out he's not. Which shows the depth of these characters, because if the voice actor thought that he is sitting there playing, like when he's having these lines with his child and stuff like that, thought that he's playing some animated movie, and be like, oh, it's a video game. It's like, oh man, for it to like be so convincing that it's a good yeah. movie, you know, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Those Mufasa moments. He's acting Mufasa. as if it's. Oh. He's acting as if this is going to be a Mufasa moment. That's good. Yeah, I also really like the, like the every so often you'd hear the sound of a falcon in the background, which of course a lot mm-hmm. of this game is about like controlling your bird um and to scout things out or whatever uh i like that you every so often hear that would remind you like oh that's right i have access to that bird if i need to or he's kind of watching over me this entire time which is really cool uh any yeah. kind of sound moments that really uh, rung out to you or a soundtrack that you like yeah so uh i like the the like background music that was just like a i don't even know what kind of instrument that would be like a yeah. woodwind kind of thing at all but that and like between your fight scenes and stuff like that all the audio was very uh cohesive so it there was nothing where it was like oh that doesn't sound like it would fit that seemed like you know i don't know a different instrument that wouldn't be part of the the same audio group i guess whatever um so it was was just another key to that kind of immersion where it all feels and fits together naturally um but yeah i really like that um again i don't know what (laughs) i don't know what kind of instrument it would be (laughs) but that like uh the music, the sound sound effect you hear when you're walking around, the regular background music, yeah, um, was pretty cool. I don't know what it was either, but it it was from the region because that they always do that in those games. They always make sure to pull music from what would be played at the time in that region. Yeah, so that is cool that they always do that, and it would be neat to see um, what that was. Uh, but yeah, this game I think in particular did such a good job of really capturing such a unique landscape we don't see often in video games, mm-hmm. and just. Man, it put you right there. There were so many times where I'd just be walking around small towns and just where I would stop and look at these. Like, there's this one temple that I think is like friend uh, was the priest in. They had his kids running around and stuff like that. And there's just the temple was so ornate and had so many fine designs on the walls. And I would just stop and look at it and like, man, what a beautiful world these guys crafted. Um, really good job. So yeah, there's there's the uh, fast travel locations, or whatever, where you have to go yeah. to a point. Those, you know, yeah, you get to see a beautiful scene of of the area. But there was a lot of places I would find where 
it's not a fast travel place, but I'm like, you know what? I want to get to the top of that, you know, that tree or that building or whatever to see what it looks like from here. Cause it just looks so freaking cool no matter where you're at pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I found myself often just, just climbing so I could see you know, that city or that town or wherever, where I'm at. Yeah. They did such a good job with that. Uh, what would you give the, the grade for this on the design? Design? I went out 29 out of 30. Jonathan, you know how good the grade is for this game? Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh yeah, it's gonna, so, it's gonna be high. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're at the bonus level. You found the secret passageway, you found a cave underneath a waterfall, and you got in there you found a cool sword that nobody knew about. In there, you have 10 extra points that you could add to this game for whatever reason you feel like. Um, generally the question to ask yourself is, did you have fun playing? So Jonathan, why don't you go ahead and break it down? Where are you gonna give this thing? You have 10 points to spend. What do you want to do? I'm going to give it seven points. I seven really like the game. The only the only caveat, I think, because it probably because I don't have as much time these days, um, but I it, it seemed like a long game. If it right. was sucking me in and enough to get 10 points, then it would have just flown by. But yeah, it's it feels, you know, long, but I like it. and I want to keep playing it. I want to, you know, go back to it. So it's not like, uh, yeah, not a bad game. So I'm definitely going to give it uh, seven points, which brings me to a grand total, if you're counting, of 93 out of 100. 93, oh, I had 94. See, I'm so glad you double-checked it. Okay. God, so bad um, <laughs> I'm re- No, seriously, normally we would pause the podcast and I'd bust out a calculator and everything. Um, okay. I Yeah, it is a really long game, and I'll vouch yeah. that because I'm the guy who didn't complete it. But um, <laughs> I think that is made easier to deal with when the game's open world like this, which also is one of the reasons mm-hmm. it's a longer game. But if it was linear and you're just like, I just want the story done, is right. one thing. But when it's long because you also went hunting or you also just kind of was yeah. checking shit out, then it's like, yeah, I could have gone faster, but I didn't want to. You know. Yeah, I think that helps. and that's a lot of what I did. I do like how they a lot of the game was very uh, diverse too. Like I was saying, the bosses all kind of seemed to have a different way you had to fight them. So stuff like that makes it, you know, seem like it's going faster, keep you hooked in it. But especially when I need to hurry up and finish it so we could do a <laughs> review, it's like, yeah. oh crap. <laughs> But yeah, definitely a good game. Um, okay, so we're at the final part, John, where you would want to uh, see if you would where to buy it and stuff like that. And also, um, what we want to do is look at would you want to see any other adaptations of the story? Because it's such a unique story as well. So first off, if you guys want to buy this game, you can play it on Steam for sure. Is that what you played it off of with Steam? I believe so. It's either Steam or Epic Games. I think it's on Epic, and it's also directly uh, from the Uplay store, guys. And a lot of times... I know a lot of us don't check out the Uplay store, but if you go to the Uplay store, a lot of times you'll find these games for a good deal randomly. Um, they'll even give away some of their earlier works. So check that out. Uh, it, can you imagine any adaptations from this game that you'd want to make? Would you want to make a movie, comic book, book, anything like that? Yeah, I think an, um, another movie would be great, though I honestly haven't seen the the movie that did come out for the other, other version of the game or whatever. Um, and there's so many versions of this game that I haven't played yet, so... It's hard to say. I'm sure all those adaptations are amazing. Um, but I mean, it'd, it'd probably be cool to see a more modern times version, like, you know, something in the 80s or 90s or something like that. Uh, I don't know how that would play. We don't I don't want it to be like a Grand Theft Auto kind of game, but um, I don't know. I think pretty much they've duplicated success with most of these games. So just keep trying any other yeah. setting. I think would be a good chance for them to succeed. So, John, I just want to st- just bring this up real quick because I'm sure there's people yelling at their, their phones right now. Mm-hmm. Your first one was 28. 
Yeah. Next one was 28. Yeah. Then to 29. Yeah. Then to seven extra points. That's 92. Oh, okay. I did the math wrong. Well, I just want to double check because I'm sitting here thinking like, we have two odd numbers, which means it should be an even number at the end. And so 93 wasn't... All right. I just wanted to double check. So you gave it a 92. Two, two, oh, yeah. We have two evens and two odds. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. It threw me off. I just wanted to double check. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I put um, it on my notes. I tried to tally it up and then I changed one of them. I was like, oh, that should be... never. I was going to do 25 for the second oh, yeah. one instead of That's 28. Like, oh, yeah. That happens. You guys don't even know that, that. Listen to this. Trust me. Every single time that I've had to do a score, I changed it part way through as we talk about it. It always goes up. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So it's hard because you haven't played any other Minecraft or I'm sorry, any other uh, Assassin's Creed. So would you have this in your Hall of Fame for open world games? Let's go with open world. And would you have this I'd... in your top five open world games? Mm. That is tough. I probably would. I would kind of want. I kind of want to play all the Assassin's Creed, so I could say the Assassin's Creed franchise, you know, right. would be or wouldn't be put them put them together. Um, standalone, though. I mean, this this would at least be a top ten open world games I've played. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that I'd put it up there. Yeah, it's pretty great because you just you gave it a ninety two, which is an A. Um, and to think that there's some that you're still debating in the top five shows how great this franchise, this oh the open world genre is. No, oh, yeah. that's a game. Pretty much the only kind of game I like to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's look at some some uh, fun facts on this one. We had the one where yeah, Bayek thought he was actually recording uh, lines for an animated movie, which I, I love that right there. Uh, this game came out in 2017. The movie adaptation uh, of I think it was off of the Ezio storyline came out. I didn't watched it. Came out in 2016. So there was a lot of references back and forth. So in the movie, they actually hinted to this game coming out. Uh, with random files that were in one of the scenes. If you read the files closely, you heard, you saw that they were coming out with a game that was in e- Egypt. That's always kind of like people try to figure out where the game next game is going to be set. So it's always kind of a mystery. So they gave you hints in the movie. And then in the game, there are uh, uh, you'll find names randomly and their names from people that played in the movie. So they refer back to each other quite a bit, which is cool. And then um, originally, in the first version of this, Originally, Bach was supposed to be wounded or killed in the early hours of the game, thus letting players play as his wife through the rest of the game. But this was changed because they thought that um, a female-led games would not sell as well. And it's funny that they say that because in the se- they had such backlash over not letting women be a bigger part of the games that the next game, you actually straight up choose whether or not you want to be a man or a woman in the game. So the main hmm. character changes. You depend on who, which one you want to be. And, cool. and even the new one that came out, Valhalla, you choose whether or not your character is male or female. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny that they didn't think a female could lead the game, and yet all the art for oh, um, Odyssey is a female character. Yeah, and I liked yeah. the the missions that you did as Aya. It's just you know you played so much as Vayek, you don't want to be you know switching back and forth. You kind of get used to him too. So uh, yeah, I don't know if they killed him off, uh, if that would have been any better or not. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it's she's a cool character. I think they could have kept her in more often. But um it's just kind of changing of the times too where people started to, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a changing of the times, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to explain, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it, it it's good to give give more female characters the lead. Yeah. Now, here's a here's a good one too for those who are bigger Assassin's Creed fans. Uh, in a cutscene, Bayak uses his hidden blade, which cuts off his third finger. 
a descriptive point in AC Prime, which is like the database, uh, that the third finger must be removed by the Assassin's Creed order. This is later uh, dispelled in Assassin's Creed 2 by Leonardo da Vinci, which is a cool part. You actually work with Leonardo da Vinci and with one year Ezio, uh, where the third finger sacrifice is no longer necessary. So when he gets his finger cut off, that mm-hmm. becomes like a requirement to join the, the creed, to join him. Um, and then Leonardo DiCaprio is like, look, I fixed it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to lose your finger whenever you use your blade. <laughs> and so um, it's just Leonardo those- DiCaprio? Leonardo, I'm sorry, I said uh, Da Vinci. Da Vinci. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, DiCaprio yeah. could play Da Vinci. Yeah. You never know. Well, yeah, it'll work. <laughs> uh, so that, that was in, in one of the cinematic scenes too, um, that when they were recruiting people to join, when Aya was doing that. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, when, when uh, Bayek was doing it. Uh, one of the people that was joining, like she puts her hand on the table and grabs a knife and he's like, wait, wait, you know, you don't have to do that. And she kind of like nods like, yeah, I do. And then just stabs and chops off that finger. Like, Dang, yeah, that's hardcore. And that becomes a normal thing up until Leonardo is like, you know what? You don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was like, I believe in the original earlier games, it's like when, the first time you use a hidden blade, it'll take it off or something yeah. like that. Like it was a part of you that. Don't, you don't know how to move your hand out of the way, right? Or something. So, yeah. Something, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah. So, Jonathan, you killed it. This is great. I mean, I'm really excited for you to play um, the other games. Uh, this game was chosen by the listeners, as you know, right? We, we put up a mm-hmm. poll and stuff like that. Are you open for them doing that again? Yeah, yeah. Anything they uh, recommend? Just try to keep it in the realm of the games that I like and have played. So, so you guys so heard it. Yeah. Open world games and, and stuff like that are kind of up your alley. Uh, what yeah. we'll do is we'll wait a little bit so that this will come out. We have we have like three more level ups in in, in the process of, of coming out. So it'll be a little bit before we put the poll for this. But if you guys start cooking up ideas, start sending us ideas of games you think Jonathan would like. I know I have like two on my list right away. Uh, let us know, and then Jonathan will play them, and I will play them too. I promise, <laughs> and then we'll we'll do the level up for him. It'll be really good. But thank you, Jonathan, for kicking ass on this, man. Oh yeah, my pleasure. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.